Award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. I'm gonna switch it up. I thought I started to do the air horn. I like. It. I started to do the air horn. Let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. Welcome to it, guys. It is a Monday. Happy Monday to you all. It is Monday, July third. Happy. Well, happy pre for the July. Can I say that pregame? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um. Well, I gotta work today. So I guess I'll pregame after the game tonight. You got to work tomorrow at all? Nah, they're on the road. You got to be at the bar? Maybe. <laughs> so you do technically have to. Yeah, I, I have to keep my eye on, on on something. Gotcha. You know? I gotcha. That's the way it works. But welcome to it, guys. Welcome to it. It is your Monday installment of the Talk That Talk radio show. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, what's going on, man? Not too much. Start of a new week. Shortened week, really. I mean, a lot of people have at least tomorrow off. Some people have today and tomorrow off, so it's nice. Um, I have a tip-in from my mom, and I'm going to at some point need you to say... Actually, you want to go in... What Did you do something this weekend? Did I do something? Did you do anything this weekend? Did I do anything... Out no. of all weekends for you not to do anything, I, I need you to do something for like one second. No, but eventually at some point I got to go over to my backpack and grab uh, my notepad so we can go ahead and get these clips down. But uh, let's go ahead and start my mom's tip in, and then I guess I'll give you a brief uh, topic to yep. go ahead and, and run with. But my mom's tip in for today, everyone wants to be a diamond, but very few are willing to get cut. I'll read that one more time. Everyone wants to be a diamond, but very few are willing to get cut. This is interesting. I like this. So first of all, if you guys are watching via our Facebook Live, we appreciate you guys so much. If you guys would like to watch on our Facebook Live, all you have to do is go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in Talk That Talk Radio Show. Once again, go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in Talk That Talk Radio Show. It's pretty much the same across every platform. It's the same on Instagram. It's the same on Apple Podcasts. It's the same on Google Podcasts. The same on, on Spotify. The one thing that would be different would be our Twitter. Our Twitter is at TalkThatTalkLV. Our Twitter is at TalkThatTalkLV. You guys know how I feel about free promotion. Uh, what was that? And it's still on the bottom. Like, geez, Louise. Yeah, they're getting tricky with these. Now, yeah, it's on the top. It's on the bottom. It's everywhere. Yeah. Anywho, um, I got... About an hour and a half of stuff for us to get to. I have a game to, as soon as I get out of here, I'm actually headed to, as soon as I get out of here. If you guys are not a Las Vegas sports fan, I will let you know in a couple of moments where I will be headed. Uh, ironically enough, I wanted to mention our, our Facebook because if you guys are watching on our Facebook, once again, I appreciate you guys. The reason why I made that face is because my laptop isn't working. 
So that's why I was just looking like what so what is that connected to and what is this connected to? Apparently two different things. Or maybe the same thing. Could be. Maybe that's not a good thing. Um, I don't know what to do. But anywho, I guess we're going to start with basketball. That's what makes sense to me. Uh, yes, it's July in Vegas. So we got a lot of hoops to talk about, as a matter of fact. But last I heard, a lot of people are saying that there's only one super team in the WNBA now. That's that's what I've heard. What What, what are you hearing about that? Uh, I mean, it's whether you hear it, whether you see it, whether you know it, like it, it, it's becoming matter of fact. Um, I think, and I said this to, I think it was my dad earlier in the week. I forget who they were playing. I, it was either, definitely wasn't con. It may have, no, it wasn't New York. It was the game before New York. Uh, was it indie? Indy? What an indie game. That's right, because we were like, oh, man, they're going to have a lot of uh, harder games coming up. And I was like, you know. I, I said it as well. Or no, never mind. It wasn't to my dad. We were at the New York game. I was with a, a friend of mine, and he follows the W pretty close. He's, and I said, this next two or three are going to be the measuring stick point for this team. We're going to get a really good gauge of where the Aces are actually at this year. And that's no disrespect to who they've played so far, but – when you've come off of a back-to-back with Indiana, historically not a great team in the W for the past handful of years, when you come off of games against, you know, say even a, a Phoenix, that you can you know there's a direction there, but, you know, they're still piecing it a little bit together. And, you know, some of those teams that are mid to lower pack of the league, when you come off a bunch of those games and a lot of those are wins, I mean, whether you win, lose, drop, like, I feel like you don't learn as much of it as a team in the wins because the mindset, you know, by default is just, well, we probably didn't play great, but we played good enough to win. So you tend to overlook a lot of the things that you probably could work on. Or you go, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's not great, but, like, we, we did enough to win the game. Like, I walked away from Monday's game against Indiana with that mindset. It was an average game for the Aces. They did just enough to win. They they made the just enough right plays to win that second game against Indiana. But it, by no means did I think that was a flawless performance for them. Now you flash forward to like Thursday. Yeah. Thursday was a really good performance. I'm happy you're doing this too because you're 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 we didn't do a show on Thursday. So thank you for taking us through this because this is why we didn't do a show on Thursday. I told you guys before we had some big business to attend to on Thursday. I expected uh, a big game, and well, first of all, it was a big game, right? I expected a, lot, a big turnout, which it was, but it felt a little different only because of the way that the energy was sucked out of the arena. The Aces did win that game, ninety-eight to eighty-one, and then we'll get to Saturday. Yeah, so like, like I said, me and my dad went to the game Monday. We get in the car, and he's like, "Well, how did you think they played?" I said, "If honestly, if I was giving a grade, they get like a B minus, and only because they really, I mean, if they lost that game." They're not getting probably anything higher than a C minus. And they beat Indy that night by eight. And that, I mean, there were points in that game. I looked up and th- and said, "Is this really going to be the second loss of the year?" Like it, I, I know it did feel away. I know there's obviously it's a forty game season. You're going to have those nights, but to Indy, like if you're going to lose, 
I mean, the the fan in you almost wants to just say, well, just lose to a respectable team at least. Where like you look at the schedule and go, okay, that that kind of makes sense. Um, but nonetheless, they like I said, they made just enough plays at the end to kind of get just get the win, get out of there. It was an ugly win for them, but nonetheless, still a win. Now, if you told me give them a grade for what Thursday's game looked like, they're getting pretty close to an A. You could you could argue A or A minus. I think one of those two, because it was almost a pretty complete performance by them. Like as probably complete as we've seen all year, especially against the caliber of team they're going up against. Like if you look at all the, um, the preseason headlines, right when these teams are kind of aligning, you're like, well, it, it's probably a crash course between. Vegas and New York, like those are the two we're going to be talking about. Don't let about. Kelsey Plum tell it. Like I don't. Did I you was hear just that about to answer? say she she like totally. Dis- KP. I love KP. She, all, she like totally disregarded all that, and I, I almost wanted to say, well, that's great, but y'all are going to have to play somebody in the finals. Y'all just can't be like, oh, okay. Well, I think that was also her point too, because like when I brought up obviously the matchup, my my question to KP was. Uh, with so much kind of just conversation surrounding this, the, these two powerhouses, whatever the case may be, I was asking, like, just a Hooper's mentality. You get the win. You obviously want the win, but you did it in wire-to-wire fashion. So, like, is there an extra added, like, there you go? And I, I don't think it was a baited question. Um, ironically enough, KP just so happened to be the one that's sitting up there. So it kind of – you definitely want to direct that question to hers. And – and to be quite honest, I still got an amazing quote from her because she did what she was supposed to do. In most in most situations, she gave a lot of credit to the other teams around the league. And respectfully, especially after the Breonna Jones injury, I just didn't see Connecticut getting back to the finals this year. I know what their record started off as. I don't see them finishing at number two. Maybe not even three, but we'll see what happens. Um, but the first team out of her mouth was Washington. She said DC is excellent, and I was like, I I agree. But after watching these last two games in, for Vegas, yeah, it, it, it's them and the rest of the field. I mean, I don't think KP is necessarily far off when she says DC. When I think of DC in the W, especially when in correlation to where you know the Aces, think of DC as kind of like mm, maybe the Dallas Stars for the Knights. Like they're always the thorn in the side. They're all some whenever they play the you know uh, what is DC's mascot by the way Mystic Mystic Oh I, I thought you meant like no the like actual, no 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 the, I was thinking of the team name the Washington Mystics No because oh okay no no I'm not even sure what their mascot actually is because just and just reason why I asked that is because what's the Washington Wizards mascot like the name of them I don't know I think it's G Wiz and the only reason why I know that is because John Wall brought him out the dunk contest. And that's the only reason why I remember that. So that's why when you asked me to watch the Mystic mascot, I looked at you and was like, what, it, it probably is, what type of encyclopedia do you think I am? Washington probably uses the same mascot for both. Probably. G-Wiz. Or, Pro- they, or maybe G-Wiz has a significant other that is the mascot for. You should do that. I, that would make sense, right? Like, you should just absolutely. I love when I see buckets and spruce together. Like, oh, okay, all right, aviators, aces, I see what's happening. So, I mean, it's fun. But. You were making a brilliant point about the Aces or the Mystic, Washington Mystic, being the Aces, for lack of a better term, Dallas Stars, in terms of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it's just every every time these teams meet, regardless of the year, regardless of who's on the roster, you know that the Mystic are going to give the Aces a, a hard fight. They're going to give them a good game. And 
there's been plenty of times where Washington, whether it's in Washington, whether they've come to Vegas, they've, you know, there's been times before they have walked into Michelob Ultra Arena in recent memory, I think as recent as last year, and stole, you could quote unquote, stole a game away from the Aces um, or just, you know, nothing else took care of business and re- kind of brought the Aces down to earth. Natasha Cloud game for sure. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I don't think KP is very far off from that comparison because I do think Washington is somebody to be on the lookout for. I think maybe they caught New York just on a bad night. I, I can't wrap my mind around that being the best New York can be. To beat them by 17, I, I think the issue, I, I agree with you. Some teams are just better matched up for certain people, you know what I mean? And the Aces, for, and we're in Vegas, so we weren't around. Well, I don't know what you were around, but depending on who you were around, when New York made a lot of their moves, New York, or excuse me, excuse me, Vegas didn't really bat an eye. And I mean, the city kind of as a whole, like the city as a whole was like, okay, cool. I mean, I, I the John Quill Jones trade was kind of like, all right, what the hell? But well, I say all that to say, like, if you look at the the box score right for New York. It's pretty uncharacteristic to see Sabrina held to under 10 points. That caught my eye right away. I was like, whoa, well, there's a good chunk ben of the, as well. There's a good chunk of the story right there. Sabrina Nescu gets held to single digit scoring. Like part of that, yes, is obviously in the game plan. I, I have to imagine that part of the Aces defensive game plan was anybody but her. However, how many people do you do that with? Because I just you just mentioned Yanescu. I just mentioned Laney. Brianna Stewart had 10 points in the first quarter. And I wouldn't, I would, oh man, this is one of the greatest moments of the season so far for me. I tweeted, did you see this tweet? Oh, okay, because you started out of your head. I was like, did you see this? I, I sent out a tweet. And due to rate limits, you probably haven't seen the tweet. But I went ahead Relax. and I, <laughs> I tweeted that Brianna Stewart has 10 points in this first quarter. I said, I can already tell what, what type of game this is going to be for her. And that was in the first quarter, obviously, and then midway through the second, I looked up and I said, by the way, guys, since this tweet, Brianna Stewart has not scored. And then I asked the question, I believe, at the end of the game, uh, if I didn't, maybe somebody else did. I think somebody else kind of alluded to it. Uh, she has six points the rest of the game. That's an average of two points a quarter the rest of the way after scoring 10 in the first. So I, I want to be honest, bro. Maybe Sabrina Yanescu, maybe the 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 the, the the scouting report was to not let her get a rhythm from deep. Maybe run her off the three point line. I, just the way basketball is set up, I don't know that you can continue to take away all of them. And John Quill Jones wasn't a factor in this game, and for me that doesn't point to scouting report with all due respect to Becky Hammond everybody locked in on an assignment and I'm gonna be completely honest we talked about this before right about uh, most dominant teams that we've covered and things like that I told you high school basketball was pretty it was it was pretty it was pretty lopsided for me um and then just going through just my career in general I think about Cerritos football that was I told you before that was pretty dominant yeah, man. And now you look at the Lady Rebels and you look at these aces. 
dominant. We talked about it during the Lady Rebel season. You said, when do you see them losing? You just asked me, I believe, on Monday. It, oh, I asked you, Do did I think? They were losing the next seven or whatever it was, and I told you, I'm worried about this New York, Connecticut, back-to-back. It wasn't back-to-back games, but or back-to-back days, but it was back-to-back games. I was worried about that only because this is on the back end of a five-game home homestand. At some point, you got to slip up, right? So... I told you, ask me later. <laughs> so going back to your original question. If I thought, if you thought they would lose at all during the month of July. Is that what you said? I thought yeah. it was like the next seven games. Yeah, no, because I, I basically drew like a line. Like, all right, could they lose any time in July? So to get back to that original question, anything is possible. They could lose. I don't see that Aces losing. At all in July. So that would be, what would that be? Because I thought you had, po- you may have pointed to like, they may have had, like, a double header later in the month. So they have like, nine games left. That would be a 17-game win streak. I pointed to the Minnesota game Minnesota because it's game. a 12 p.m. start. Early start for them. 10 a.m. Vegas start. And they're flying from Seattle to oh, two days before. Well, wait, maybe it is. No, it might be a 12 p.m. Or a day before. It might be a 12 o'clock Vegas start. I don't know. I'd have to look. But st- nothing else early start. Sometimes West Coast teams just don't do well with the early start. You're coming from a West Coast game. Yeah. And then you finish up with the road game in Chicago. However, I do think this Chicago situation is going to be a little different, of course, with the news of James Wade now being a part of the Toronto Raptors coaching staff. Good for James Wade. That kind of came out of nowhere. It definitely came out of nowhere. And uh, a story recently may have come out yesterday, may have come out yesterday about uh, him saying that it was not about his job security with the Chicago Sky. It was more so about it was a family decision. Obviously, it was a career decision, and it was obviously a chance for him to improve as a coach. And I mean, I I respect these athletes, these coaches, just anybody that we cover and that we handle because it's our job to tell stories about them, and it's their job to obviously go out there and perform. And just one is not supposed to do have nothing to do with the other, but they intersect so many times and. I hate the fact that these people even have to answer to that. Like, why did you take this job? Was it about your job security at the other job? Even if it was, what difference would it make? I beat him to it. Like, what? so what? What difference would it make? And personally, as I said before, most of us in our personal lives, we left UNLV. We are pretty open. Well, we love UNLV's campus, right? We're still here with UNLV in a weird way. Shout out to UNLV. But we're not on campus anymore, right? And we're open, so we'll tell some of those stories. But we don't necessarily feel obligated to give that to people. And I just think it's a little, you know, even though I understand I may have to do a story like that or something, maybe maybe I've done it in the past, it's just a little invasive. And if the person that you're interviewing was like, I took the job because I took the job. Like, what are you supposed to say to that? <laughs> I did kind of find it funny that Becky left the NBA for the W, and now it. James Wade leaving the W for the NBA. So, I love it. I mean, there's definitely. Let's inter- do some more. Let's do some more mixing and mingling. The yeah. only issue is let's get some more women involved. Let's do it. Yeah, we I gotta, like it. We gotta we gotta get some more dollar signs involved too for sure. But that goes uh, without saying. Yeah, I think that's just that's that's I guess understood if you're going to mingle the two, but beside the point. Um, one player mm-hmm. I noticed really has stepped up her game like the last three games for sure, maybe even four. Mm-hmm. 
Did you all of a sudden notice that Candace Parker woke up too? Yeah, man. 15 points in three of her last four games. Uh, it was a the only r- starter that is not an all-star this year. That's a little disrespectful for Candace Parker. I'm not going to lie. I mean, but I, I, but I understand uh, it as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, unless there's an injury. Like if you're judging off this honestly? year's like if you're judging off this happen. year's body of work, it makes sense why Candace isn't in the all-star. You do it if it's her last year guaranteed, right? Correct. But I don't think Candace hasn't indicated that this was going to be her last year. So. I was thinking about that as well, too. Um, I like it. I like it. But, I mean, to be fair, like, there was, I think, understandably a lot of criticism on Candace the first handful of games because I, there was a lot of high expectations from Aces fans when they heard that they were getting Candace Parker that it's like, well, you know, you're getting this superstar talent in Candace Parker, you know, one of the best players in the league, a top player in the league for sure, right up with the likes of, Ironically enough, a teammate in Asia Wilson, that type of conversation. And then you looked at her performance through the first, you know, seven to ten games of the year, and people are kind of wondering, like, what's up with Candace? Like, is she kind of just the odd one out? I think Candace is the oldest one in the starting lineup. Candace may be the oldest person on the roster. Well, you, and that's the I other thing. Like, if you watch the Aces games, you can tell at certain points, oh, she's definitely the oldest one on this floor because the Aces play at such a fast pace anyway that it may even be a fast pace for Candace. Like, there's some possessions you can tell she's got to, she needs a second just to catch her breath for a sec. And, you know, obviously still makes great plays and all that. But I think it's one of those, and the Aces have a good problem on their hands. They have so much star talent in their starting five. Hmm. By default, somebody's going to kind of feel like the odd woman out. It could be Candace. Like, it could just be that you know, we talk about all the time, like when stars come together, it's like, oh, well, Somebody's gonna have to like give up a little bit more of their touches for the other, and vice versa, to make it all work. I mean, well, you kind of just talked about it right now. It could be anybody, right? It Jackie, could be. Jackie Young, and Chelsea Gray both had eleven points in his last outing, and you would think, okay, well, Chelsea probably had thirteen assists, right? Candace led the team in assists as well with eight. And that's the other thing. Like, I think kind of goes unnoticed with Candace is she makes plays that people don't notice. They don't necessarily need to be in the stat sheet. Candace could be, I mean, how many times has Candace had a really solid defensive possession and if nothing else, either got the rebound and got it out to Chelsea or set up a, you know, breakout opportunity? Like, a lot of times Candace is setting those things up. She's starting the play. And, you know, it just happens to be a lot of people see the probably back half of that play, whether it's Chelsea going behind the back or through the legs to somebody down the floor or whoever it is. Maybe it's Jack. That's the other thing. I mean, if you wanted to find, like, roles for the starting five, <laughs> the most conditioned player on the starting five has to be Jackie Young. Because every 100%. time you look up, Jackie Young is the you know first one funny? down the court. Kelsey's going to argue that. <laughs> I, I would say it's Jackie because, like, there's been times in, like, the third and fourth quarter that I haven't seen Jackie Young slow down at all. Like, she just keeps going. And especially on those breakout opportunities, Jackie is really good at finding her space on the court, and she positions herself in a way to where – it makes it easy for that player to hit Jackie on an outlet pass. She's not necessarily in the way, or she's not trying to, like, look behind her head to find which side the ball is going to come over. Like, Jackie just has a sense to where she's really conditioned. She's pretty quick, you know, as far as being the first one down the floor. And I think all that put together, like like I said, you have Candace usually, you know, a lot of times starting that playoff. It'll usually go to Chelsea, and then, I mean, you get Chelsea Gray with – 
I mean, probably the smartest player in the W right now. May not be the best, may not be the flashiest. She's the smartest in terms of basketball IQ that I can find in the W in terms of making the right Is play. Is Chelsea Gray? Yeah, making the right read. Like, it's very rare. And when Chelsea does make a bad play, to her credit, she she admits it. Like, I, right. I, I think it was a couple games ago. Uh, maybe it was the, I think it was the second game against Indiana. She's like, oh, well, y'all, yeah, I bet you all saw that opening possession when I turned that ball over. So she remembers stuff like that and obviously corrects it. But, like, I think Becky Hammond has kind of hit on something here with the starting five where she's found players that have a unique role and they all happen to work together. And just to go back to that point, uh, I can think of some other names, obviously, around the W as well. I do think Chelsea Gray is probably – I think she's neck and neck with somebody. I, I, oh, almost cursed. I'll say it. I'll say it. Uh, I think she's neck and neck probably with Courtney Vandersloot. And I think a lot of people may be – and I don't want to say forgetting it, but maybe uh, just leaving her out completely because she's in the backcourt now with Sabrina Ionescu, but – that is a wizard over there as well. And I just think people should obviously just give her some credit. Alyssa Thomas should also be be mentioned as well. But, uh, dog, that is a great question. The most conditioned player because I, I think it's Jackie. Yeah. But I know KP would look and be like, oh, you guys think that? Like, okay, bet. Like, KP's a menace in her own right. But if you told me, like, you had to line KP and Jackie Young up on the baseline, you put 40 minutes on the clock and said, you just have to— Who's going to stop first? You got Yeah, first one to stop loses. I'm betting that Jackie Young's not the first one to stop. That is a—first of all, that is a, that is a sick, twisted game that probably only, like— season five of, like, the Ultimate Fighter would ever do. But, like, that is a, that is a brilliant conversation to have. Um, I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I I feel like you couldn't even challenge like Kelsey to ping pong. Like it would it would go left quickly. Um, but uh eight straight wins for the Aces, right? 15 and 1 overall. Number one in the W. We just kind of talked about it. We just kind of mentioned Kelsey Plum, right? And just her her aggressiveness and just her uh j- just the dog mentality, right? And I think I'm gonna be honest, I think it's being overused. I think it's being overused just a little bit because we really uh, call people say, well, it's just a mentality, a mentality that we use, right? And then she showed that mentality so much, she's earned the name Plum Dog. I think it's just a cop out now to say she's a dog. Like, figure out another word. Now you got to figure out something else because we all know she's a dog. So she she has just this innate ability to want to compete. Like she just looks so competitive at everything. So. Uh, she became the fourth and, and final all-star for the Las Vegas Aces, along with Becky Hammond and coaching staff, joining Jackie Young, Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, Captain Asia Wilson, A- Asia Wilson, right? And then now, and then now Kelsey Plum. All-star weekend, uh, all-star game will be on Saturday, July 15th from the Michelob Ultra Arena. Less than two weeks away. Yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, Three-point contest and skills challenge the night before. Uh, Let's talk. Where are we going? Oh, the Aces wrap up their five-game homestand on Wednesday. That will be July 5th. Dallas Wings are in town. 7 p.m. start. Michelob Ultra Arena as well. Pardon. Let's talk. By the way, that that All-Star weekend, 
talk about a crazy sports weekend in Vegas. You want to go through it? <laughs> all well, the all the WNBA All Star Game is going to happen or weekend is going to be in town f- that Friday Saturday. I'm pretty sure the Aviators have a home series that weekend. Let's check it out right now. And actually, I don't think they do. And purpose. and on top of that, I think oh, summer league's going to be going on. They're going to mm-hmm. be in playoff. Um, they're going to be doing the playoff format for summer league. Talk about it. So you have at least two, maybe even three um, events going on in Vegas in the same weekend. Lots, lots to choose from. Definitely, and we're actually going to get to all of that. I believe the Aviators are out of town. Are they out of town that weekend? I believe they – oh, you might be right. You might be right. You might be right. Let me figure it out because now, now I want to know and now I need to know. So let's see if we can figure this out. But while we go ahead and do that, um, we are headed to – where are we headed to? Well, we're still going to stay in basketball, actually. We're going to just talk about a little bit about NBA free agency. And then, of course, we're going to tease a little bit of Summer League. Now, Summer League, we have a Thursday show to get to. And ironically enough, Summer League this year – shout out to the NBA. The NBA is doing an NBA con. And – it looks absolutely insane. I want to read you guys what was told to me, or actually what, what's on this uh, press release right now. Join the NBA for a sneak peek of NBA Con, a first of a kind event, a first of its kind event that blends the interests of NBA players and fans into a celebration of the best of hoop culture. So get get all of this. It's hoop culture. Wait, where is it at? Where is it all at? Where is it all at? Where is it all at? Did I forget it? Okay, cool. Well, it's all about hoops culture, but I want to read exactly what is all there because there are different tables there for NBA Con. It is fashion. It's music. It's uh, there's there's courts. Obviously, what else do we have? Um, do we have it right here? But. It's a one-of-a-kind one event. It's something that they've never done before. They're doing it for the first time this year. They have live performances this year from people like Blast, from people like 2 Chains. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar will be in attendance. Uh, you have Scoot Henderson in attendance. Victor Wimbayama will be in attendance. This is just to give you guys an idea of what this, 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 this opportunity will look like. It will be from July 7th through the 9th. I will be there on Thursday for the the sneak peek basically what they emailed us about i will get a chance to check it out i will come in here on thursday i will let you guys know what it looks like what to expect i will let you guys know what i can't tell you guys uh it's gonna be fun and we'll be able to go right into summer league news right after that or summer league prepping i guess right after that so real quick i do have an answer to your aviators question yes talk to me so after tonight do you want to take a wild guess when their next home game is they just said it yesterday at the ballpark. I know that they have tw- 12 straight games right now. I don't know if they have six on the road. Then they have the all-star break. Then I think they come back on the road for three. Would that be July 18th? No. When is it? Their next home game after tonight, Friday, July 14th. It's a three-game series against Reno. 
Okay, that's the home. That's the three game series, and it's at home. Interesting. During that same weekend. Ta-da. <sighs> Ironically enough, I was going. I was prepping the email that I was going to send you guys later today, and yeah. And <laughs> that would be added to it because I knew we were going to have some Aces game crossover, whether it's on the road, whatever the case may be. Uh, I created my summer league schedule, so I'll know exactly what it looks like. We are back in the building for summer league this year. Um, I'm excited to let you guys know that that is uh, kind of just some breaking. I don't want to say breaking news, but some news that we have for you guys. Uh, we covered it the COVID year. Um, it was a little different the COVID year. I, well, it was very different the COVID year. I kind of let you guys know. And then the following year, I heard it got back to normal, but they were tightening up the the credentials. We actually didn't get credential last year. This year, we are back in the building. Uh, I believe they only approved one this time around, so it was me. Uh, I will be there probably every day. Um, 12 straight days of... I'm telling you, this is the only time where I go to sleep and... I still hear like the nylon net. I still hear basketballs hitting the hardwood. I I go to sleep to these sounds. Plus, you'll have possibly the All Star Weekend to cover too. I have to do that. <laughs> I mean, I and that's a whole. Which is why at some point we we're gonna have to have a conversation because I, I gotta have a conversation either with the NBA or the WNBA, and I'm gonna let them know like clearly I got to prove for both. It's probably W. Something's gonna something's gonna have to, you know what I mean? Either take a back burner, which I don't want to do either way, but we have the bodies to cover it. So one of them, unfortunately, may just have to get switched out maybe halfway through. Uh, we, we we might have to do a little tag off for summer league. Maybe we'll do something like that. Um I, I do believe I'm gonna be honest with you, I think summer league might be a little easier to to win. <laughs> Only because probably. it's a twelve day situation. And the W is we're in and out two days, boom, boom, boom. You got your credential. That's what I. That's what I'm getting at least. Uh, but we'll see. I'm excited. We do have a lot that is going on. Summer league begins on the seventh. It begins on Friday, and it goes all the way into the seventeenth. Oh wait, seventh. That's Friday. Yeah. Isn't that Vic's first game? It is. Okay, I'll be there Friday. <laughs> I'll, I'll find a way to be there Friday. It is only because I don't think he's gonna be playing game two or three. So if you're gonna see Victor win by Anna. Friday's, Friday's probably it. Like, you better get in. It will be a packed house. I believe so. And, and it's a Friday. It's like a Friday afternoon, too. So, I have oh, my, that's gonna be Can awesome. you do me a huge favor? Can you hang my backpack? I think I can, yeah. Because if that's the case, then I will give you exactly what to look out in terms of coverage from us. And at the same time, I'll let you know, based on that, who's playing on what day. So just in terms of coverage, uh, I went ahead and, and took a look. Appreciate you. I went ahead and took a look. At some ideas for stories. And keep in mind, guys, if you guys have been rocking with us for as long as you have, we appreciate you guys, first of all. Second of all, uh, you guys more than likely have been with us since our inception, it, obviously with the company, but just a lot of ideas that we've birthed and things like that. When I was at UNLV, and this was even before I met Matt, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was at UNLV and I was writing for the paper, uh, we started the Las Vegas Pro Team, and I thought it was important to start something at UNLV where it was a group of people who were what I deemed to be some of the best, if not the best, sports writers on the campus and allow them to cover the 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 growing pro sports field that 
there was here in Vegas. And it began with the aces and things like aviators, things like that, right? And uh, Summer League, it was a part of that. And we had a format where there was four of us, where there was one of us in each building, and then there would be a, a shift switch in the middle of the day. We did that for a couple of years with UNLV. We did game-by-game -game coverage in each building for you guys. Uh, last year, I did day-by-day -day coverage for you guys. This year will be a little bit different, and I, t I tried to take some time to, to really think this out. And what we're going to do, because now we have a home team. Matt is different. Now we got the Ignite. So now we have the Ignite, and this is probably something that I should say for Thursday, but we'll go ahead and go over it again on Thursday. Uh, the Ignite are now here in Vegas, so that becomes our home team. So because of that, I will be covering and chronicling the guy's journey. I mean, all of these different guys, this is their first uh, G League experience, or excuse me, Summer League experience. A lot of them may be their only one. So I'm excited to see what comes of this, but there's also some Las Vegas eyes to keep, to, uh, or Las Vegas products to keep eyes on. Um, and then, of course, you kind of talked about it already, but Victor Winbanyama, I'm going to be completely honest, guys. You guys have heard everything that there is to say about Victor. Victor is a, I don't want to say once in a generation because they said it about Zion. They said it about Brian. Brian might be the only one, right? But Victor is something that we haven't seen, in my humble opinion, since Chris Stapps. And they thought Chris Stapps was a project. Even with Victor having his uh, slender build, at 7'5", seven, 7'4", five, seven, seven, five, you don't hear the word project. <laughs> you don't hear the word uh, just – or you, you, you don't hear certain words that they use with Chris Stapps, even though the games are similar. It appears he's more NBA-ready. So that's something that we will be watching for Summer League or during Summer League. But I want to give you my schedule on Friday. You ready? Mm -hmm. I can't wait. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to read this, but screw it. I'll just read it this way. By the way, Chet Holmgren is on the Oklahoma City Summer League roster. I did see. Uh, Oklahoma City has most of their active roster on this <laughs> roster. All right. No comment. But we see that a lot, though, with these things. All right. Whatever. Um, my Friday Summer League schedule. I will open my day with New Orleans against Minnesota. That is my guy Leonard Miller's NBA Summer League debut. I will go from there to – actually, I have to go back and forth, apparently, because these start 30 minutes apart. The Denver Nuggets and the Milwaukee Bucks, that is Las Vegas product Julian Strawthers, NBA Summer League debut. Then I have Portland versus Houston. That's Scoot Henderson's Summer League debut. He's also playing Amen Thompson. So it's Scoot versus Amen. I'm excited for that one. You follow that up with Charlotte versus San Antonio, which is the one versus two, which is Brandon Miller against Victor Wimbanyama. Also, you have CeeDee Sissoko for the San Antonio Spurs making his NBA Summer League debut. And then you follow that up with Golden State and the Los Angeles Lakers, and that will be Maxwell Lewis's NBA debut. We also have Mojave King's uh, NBA Summer League debut, and, of course, we want to go ahead and detail Chet Holmgren's as well. So there's your, your rundown. Uh, day one, as you said before, if you want to see a lot of these guys before they shut them down for the summer league, 
You're going to want to show up early. You're probably going to want to be there day one. And you're definitely going to want to get out to the NBA con afterward. I will let you guys know on Thursday what it looks like. For right now, let's we got a little bit of time to talk. Um, actually, we'll, we'll wait. We'll hold off free agency now since we talked a little summer league anyway. Let's hop straight into baseball because, like I said before, when I get out of here, I'm going to a game. That's actually the game I'm headed to. I'm getting out of here, and I'm headed straight to the ballpark. Good thing is this new uh, studio that we got, we, we got the door open right now to the studio. We're looking out. And um, there's a couple of different views from this entire um, space, is what I'll call it, from this entire suite. There's a lot of different uh, views. But the best thing that I found out was that this place is 13 minutes from the ballpark. So I said this is beautiful for a 6.05 start, which will happen tonight from the Las Vegas ballpark. Las Vegas Aviators, Round Rock Express. Get me when I tell you this. If the Aviators win tonight, this will be their first series win since mid-May. No comment. Because <laughs> that, that's, I mean, on the surface, that's bad. So if that's bad on the surface. It may be bad just period, too. Like, it could be, yeah. <laughs> It, it, however way you put it, it's not good. Like, we're in July. Right. And you're telling me they haven't won a three- or four-game series against anybody. It's, nope. It's six-game series. Does that change anything for you? You got to take four of the, of the six. No, because that <laughs> tells me the best the best they've done in that time is three and three. Indeed. Or two and four, or and so on and so forth. Five and one. They haven't been swept. They have not been swept. So they've either gone three and three, two and four, or one and five. They haven't gone one and five. So they have they they've either they've gone, gone two and three to Oklahoma City and they've gone two and four to Tacoma, I believe it was. And then they've split the rest. So they have or and I missed another loss. They have three losses and three splits in that time. Interesting. Their last series win, the final day of that win was the Albuquerque series. I believe it was on the road. Uh, it was May 14th. Yeah, I think, again, like, if they haven't won a series, I go back to, like, the best they've been able to go in a six-game series is three and three during that time. I mean, where they're sitting at in the standings, you would have to be better than three and three in a six-game series to theoretically make up ground on the teams in front of you. Which is another thing that we're about to get into because this is very, very interesting. Now, going back to what you just said before about uh, at some point you got to do better than three and three, right? Uh, well, that just goes without saying if you don't want to just be a middle of the road 500 team or sub 500 team, uh, especially in baseball where you're playing so many games. But I noticed something and I went ahead and talked to Fran Reardon and Brian Corey, who was the pitching coach for Las Vegas recently. And I spoke with both gentlemen. And I, just, I did some number crunching, and, and I went and looked, and I was like, well, let's see what this looks like. Do you know? And do I have the numbers in front? No. Within, oh, they're not far. They aren't far. The numbers aren't far. The numbers are proof. I have proof. I have proof for the things that I say, guys. I don't just be throwing stuff at a wall, I promise. Sometimes I do. Um, <laughs> do you know that this team – the, so the first half of the season is over. That's why we got that extra day of rest – 
in terms of that Monday, Tuesday, we had that Round Rock series start on Wednesday. This Round Rock series start on Wednesday. All right, it's a little weird, but we knew that that's what marked the start of the first of, of the second half. Therefore, I went ahead and I'm I'm working on this on this story, and it should be out shortly. I'm not even gonna give you guys a date. It should be out shortly. But do you know that this team was three and ten in series openers during the first half, including a zero and six mark at home? So they don't set the tone correctly. I started this off by asking Fran Reardon, are you a pool playing man? And he was like, yeah. And I said, so you know about the phrase, starting off behind the A-ball, right? And he was like, yeah. Cool, so let me give you the stat. I gave him the stat, and he was like, at the end of the day, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said at the end of the day, he acknowledged it. Uh, that's why I want to talk to the pitching coach, because I had some numbers for him. So I don't want Fran to start pointing fingers at, okay, we can't hit on Tuesday, whatever the case may be. But he said, at the end of the day, we have done a pretty good job of not allowing that to kind of trickle into the rest. And to be honest with you, like he said, I don't know. I don't know why it happens on Tuesdays. He said, when I hear that stat, because he didn't even know. When I brought him the stat, I said, I had some numbers for you. He was like, are the numbers good? And I read the numbers to him. He was like, ooh, those aren't good. And I was like, those aren't good. And it, like I said before, he was like, to be honest with you, it just – the first thing that I hear when I hear that is we stink on Tuesdays. And he was like, I, nobody wants to stink on any day. He was like, but at the same time, too, that would mean that we get stronger as the series goes on, which if you look at these numbers, it, it does prove to be true. But at some point, if you guys do get strong, at some point, I'm assuming it's a possibility for it to happen earlier in games. And on top of that, too, for these three wins in 13 openers, all three of those wins was on the road. So what's happening on the road that's different than, and I didn't even ask him, but what's happening on the road that's different than than than, than happening at home because his team has an 0-7 mark, or 0-6 mark, excuse me. So I followed it up by asking Brian Corey about this. Starting pitchers in the first half of the season, they had 30 decisions. You want to tell me how many wins they had? 30... Like the pitchers had 30 decisions? Starting pitchers had 30 decisions in the first half. Tell me how many wins they had. Combined. Yep. Out of 30, I would say seven. Nine. They went nine and 21 with an ERA close to seven, 6.93. So I asked Brian Corey about trends. You know what I mean? That's all you can do when you look at pitchers, just what are you doing consistently? What are you doing repetitively? And he said, to be honest with you, he said, it, for lack of a better term, he didn't say this, but he did describe this. Guys need to just flip their approach. He said a lot of times guys are going up the first time through the lineup and they're trying to be too fine and they're trying to paint the corners. And he said this might be the time to start establishing a fastball. Am I starting to figure out what breaking ball you're going to use? He said, and you're trying to paint these corners. You're getting behind on these guys. You're walking guys. You're giving up hits, whatever the case may be. He said, and then you start to trickle into all your other pitches. You didn't show everything. So now when you get to the second and third time, possibly a third time through the lineup, A, they've already seen everything you have, and B, you're behind, so you have no choice but to attack them. As opposed to flipping that approach, attacking early. Essentially, you do have to let the chips fall where they may, but you, you attack early. And once you hopefully get them aggressive, you get them uh, in their own heads a little bit, 
you get them thinking, now you can start to try to kind of paint the corners as the 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 innings weighing on. And he said, to be quite honest, he said a lot of people. He doesn't. He didn't want to say rely, but a lot of people do use the the backup of this is a hitter's ballpark. He said you can pitch in this ballpark. He said I've done it. You can pitch in this ballpark. So he said at the end of the day, this is the closest to a major league ballpark that you're gonna get without being in a major league. I don't know, man. Sounds like a message to the pitchers to me. But um, and then when you follow that up with the with the relievers having a 25 and 19 mark, the ERA drops about 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6. It's, it's 6.33. So the relievers they're getting put in situations, obviously, and they're also getting out of them, and they're getting out of them to a better rate than what the uh, starters would. And based on what Brian Corey said he's seeing on the diamond, he's even more pleasantly surprised by hearing those numbers because some of the situations that they've been put in, they shouldn't be six up. Baseball's a weird sport, man. Because, like, you're right. It's Obviously, the aviators aren't great this year. That's not a shocker, or well, maybe a shocker, but it's no secret to anybody. Like, I, I don't think just with, and a lot of times you can look at the major league team and kind of gauge like maybe how their minor league team's going to be. Like for instance, the Oklahoma City Dodgers, right? Talk about it. Well, I would imagine their affiliate <laughs> or their major league affiliate, the Dodgers, do pretty well. Ironic, ironically enough, the minor league affiliate, the Oklahoma City Dodgers also do pretty well. Winners of the first half. The Oakland A's, mm, still a work in progress. The Las Vegas Aviators, the minor league affiliate of the A's, kind of still a work in progress. And I, I think, like, I, I kind of liked how you said, like, oh, this is as close as you're going to get to a major league park without it being in the major leagues. That could very well be a hint, hint to the major league club. Maybe. Um, that could very well be that 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 sentence might need to be tweaked slightly in the <laughs> near future, depending on what happens with their major league club. Yeah. Um, at least temporarily. And I th- I think um ultimately like when you look at the aviators, they are a fun group. Mm-hmm. I think like there there's been games where they have put on a dominant performance. There's been a lot of games where they've been on the wrong end of those dominant performances. Definitely. There's been the fifteen to two type of games where yeah. you just look you're just looking at the scoreboard wondering, all right, how much longer do we got of this? Because just how baseball has kind of gone, and I've noticed that even in the major leagues, we're getting a lot more scoring, number one. Mm-hmm. We're also getting a lot more lopsided scoring. More so than I think we've seen in years past, it feels like, where we're getting a lot more double-digit scores, whereas before, like, if you scored double digits in the major leagues, that was, like, an anomaly. Like, that that was, like, man, that nobody might... Definitely. Top, nobody might top that score for the rest of the week. Now it's a nightly occurrence that, like, a team's going to go score 11 runs, and then they back it up, and they maybe score eight or nine the next day. Like, there's just this continuous flow of offense, and right now, again, I don't know if it's something within the pitching staff, but when you have a starting, a, a combined... ERA for the starting pitchers of over seven. The combined ERA of a reliever is still over six. Like, you combine that with the fact that there is such a heavy flow, if you will, of offense just around baseball at the moment, minor league, minor and major league. I mean, the 
aviators are going to have to score so many runs to keep pace. Stop there. You may read my notes. Uh, but I asked Fran, right? I, I, I didn't ask Fran about the trends and things of that na- nature. I gave him the pitching numbers. But I, I said this offense is also averaging 6.2 runs per game per, per game in those openers, in those series openers. The league leader for runs to begin with averages 7.2 runs a game. The Aviators are second in the league in runs. So I asked Fran Reardon, and this is the chance that I gave him to say what he wanted to say. I said at the end of the day, is it as simple when you see a, a, the pitching staff numbers like this, is, is it as simple as, hey, guys, on offense, we got to do a little more? And he gave the numbers, and he said, well, we're first in this, and we're second in this, and you just said we're second in runs. I don't know how much more we can do offensively. Ding, 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 ding. There's the answer, guys. Got to pitch better. because The correction the end, is on the pitching end. At the end of the day, if you have the offensive numbers to back it up, which, like you just mentioned, they're top five pretty much in offense as a whole, I would say is a pretty fair assessment. If you just took the complete offense of the Aviators, it probably ranks top five. Obviously, different categories will be higher and lower and such. But as a, as a whole combined, it's probably top five, which is good. Then that leads you to one answer, like you said, is you've got to clean up the pitching. You've got to get the ERA down. Even if their ERA was, if they could cut the ERA to half of what it is now. Think about would how many. Best team in the, the PCO for sure. Would Undoubtedly. And that's only getting it down to like a 3.5 to 4. A mat, like, and, and in today's MLB, I mean, that's probably around average. I would have to look at. You know the minor leagues, like I think combined. I think there. I think by on average, there's more scoring in the minor leagues. I think on average, and I would assume that to be so for several reasons. And even if, even if it's not half, even if it, let's just say they get it, they knock one point five off their mm-hmm. ERA. They get it from seven down to. I'm happy you said that. Five five point five. Right. That's probably ten more wins on their resume at least, which may not be enough to obviously be at the top of the standings. But at least you know this team's going in the right direction. And I think that's a big thing when you look at the Aviators or when you look at the Athletics. A lot of people have the same conclusion, like myself. Is this team actually going in the right direction, or are they just kind of stuck going through the motions? I'm trying not to laugh because as soon as you said they're stuck, I thought about Peter Griffin, and I forgot where he was at, but he was just going around. Or was it Homer? Was it Homer Simpson? It was somebody, and they were just going around in circles, and I was just like... I hope this AV or this uh, athletic franchise isn't in that spot. I'm going to be honest. I don't think they are. But I am going to get to some stuff really quick with uh, for you guys right now. Uh, you talk about is it good enough to be at the top of the standings. Well, I'll let you know as presently constructed, they are at the top of the standings. The Aviators are 3-2 and two in the second half of the season. Therefore, they are tied for first in the PCOS. But as I told you guys before in that first half, it does not matter about – the divisions per se, you are chasing the lead leader. And as of right now, the Aviators are a game behind Albuquerque and, of course, the Oklahoma City Dodgers sitting at 4-1. and one. So right now, the Aviators get a win tonight. Let's say OKC and, and, and Albuquerque loses. The Aviators are tied for first in the PCL, in all of the PCL. So keep in mind, guys, this is the way it works. I actually asked Fran about it as well, about the new system, and he said he hasn't experienced it at the AAA level yet. He said, but... uh he experienced it in 2017, I believe it was, with Midland. And he said it's it's unique. He said it does give 
teams that, um, for instance, let's talk about the Mets and in, in the MLB right now, they would benefit from a second part of the season, essentially a, a, a literally a start over, a do over in the middle of the year. So uh, basically what happens is Oklahoma City, they have won the first half of the PCO season. And now we are here in the second half of the PCO season. So let's just say that Oklahoma City – actually, I say that back. Let's say the Aviators win it. The Aviators and the Oklahoma City Dodgers will meet in the postseason to see who goes on to the AAA championship. However, let's say the Oklahoma City Dodgers win the second half again. They go straight to the championship series. So – a lot on the, on the line for if anybody asks, what, what does Oklahoma City have in it? They could not have to play anybody. They can go ahead and get their, their – their, their punch their ticket straight through. So the Aviators being a game out with this second half, what, five games into it, getting off to a, a series win for the first time in, in almost two months at this point would be a big step in a, direct, in a positive direction for this group. After that, they have six games in El Paso be, – be, but yeah, excuse me, beginning tomorrow for the July baseball. And as a matter of fact, that will be the seventh game of 12 straight games for these guys. And then they get the all-star break. So, I mean, literally pushing the pedal to the metal as you're finishing up the season. But the reason why we're going to probably end this show a little bit early tonight is because I'm going to try to go talk to this guy right now that I'm about to talk about. Tyler Soderstrom, catcher for the Las Vegas Aviators. Number one prospect in the AVA or in the athletics organization. Also plays first base, also plays des- or also uh, designated hits. 20 home runs this year. 21 years old. He has been selected to play in the Futures game, uh, similar to what Shay Langeliers was uh, picked to do last year. Uh, this franchise, and I know that we talk a lot about oh, what is this franchise? Um, What has this franchise done recently? This is what happens when you cover a team um, and or organization. This group has had a great ability to develop catchers. And you look at Sean Murphy, who's now raking for the Atlanta Braves. Obviously, we mentioned Shea Langoliers. Tyler Soderstrom would be up next. I'm actually going to mention one more name. I'm going to mention Carlos Perez. Carlos Perez has kind of reignited his career with this franchise. And, I mean, to be honest with you, this franchise, if you were going to point to something positive over the last couple of years, I do think you could point to the catcher uh, position. And Tyler Soderstrom will look to put that on display in the Futures game on July 8th. Let's talk about those athletics really quick because speaking of series wins, they took two of three away from the Chicago White Sox. That's their first series win since June 9th through the 11th. That's their first home series win since beating the Braves May 29th through May 31st. I know you just went off about this athletic team. And one thing, and I'm gonna that people are gonna say I'm fake because of the all-star votes or or uh, announcements or whatever, but I admit I mentioned S3 uh S3 Ruiz, but I left the name out. 
I did say this franchise is going to have to, if they're going to move for sure, they're going to have to find a face to sell. I do think you have something in Brent Rooker. I do. I think you have something there. I mentioned Brownie as well. I know Brownie isn't hitting the best this year, but I think with Rooker, Brownie, and Blade, you have three Bs in the outfield. And who knows what the outfield ultimately looks like, but I look at Seth Brown. I look at J.J. Blade. I look at Brent Rooker. I don't know, man. Maybe you can sell that. <laughs> Maybe you can sell that. Uh Again, we talk about direction with this franchise. I'm not sure what uh, big decisions may pop up out of nowhere. And to be completely honest, we've seen situations where uh, it's not always the expected move, uh, especially in baseball and especially with this franchise. So we'll see what happens long term. I do know that um, as of right now, they are still last in the AOS. They're 28 games behind first place. They're 23-63 and 63 on the year. Ironic, did you chuckle? No. Okay. I'm about to, all right, don't laugh. Um, I mean, it is kind of a laughing matter. But. Relax. Kansas City, they're two games better, at least in the win column. They're 25 and 59. In terms of run differential. I promise I'm not chuckling. I, in terms of run differential, the Kansas City Royals have been outscored by 131 runs. On the other end, the Athletics have been outscored by – 106 more. So they have been outscored by 237 runs. Here's the thing, though. I know we're picking on Kansas City because they have the worst record. They don't have the second worst run differential anymore. Shout out to my former team, my current team. I haven't let you go, kind of. Um, shout out to the Angels because the Colorado Rockies are now number two in run differential and negative run differential. They are minus 142. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get to this and we're gonna get to some serious topics and we'll get out of here, I promise. Um, that was funny, by the way. That transition was kind of funny. I'm not done with it. Um, because I don't want to talk about it, but this is what happens when you know what's funny, and <laughs> Twitter is hilarious because we're on spill now, but all this free promotion I'm giving, we were on that Bluebird app. It's not like many people are going to see anyway. That's a very good point. We're on that Bluebird app. And uh, people always talk about the movie Temptation with Taraji. Or not, was it Temptation? No, Acrimony with Taraji P. Henson. And everybody always says, like, this is why uh, – the conversation on Twitter was this is why women don't like leaving, like, putting up with something for so long and then leaving after a long time because if you get it fixed – Nah, I'm mad. Like, because now you you waited till I left to go fix that. And I could not feel more of the same right now. Because I told you before the season started, do I really want to be a Mets fan? No. I know my family ties. It makes it fun. It makes it easy. It makes it cool. I don't really want to do it. I said, so I feel like I got to threaten them. Like, I'm leaving. I'm out the door. I'm going to the Mets. They don't seem to care. Only to see them thriving without me. Like, no, you take me back. That's what you do. You take me back. And I will not take no for an answer. I'm going back. You know we still haven't hit the All-Star break, right? I don't care. I'm going back. You realize the second you go back. Don't say that. Because we... Don't say that. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I've seen this story from the Angels before. It's very similar. 
It's funny you chose the Mets as a secondary team. All right. See, I don't like where this is going. Because what are the Mets probably best known doing? Let's move. Do? Let's okay. move on. Okay. I'm just saying. Like, I said let's move on. <laughs> I picked another I picked another team in this another team shadow, like another city oh, where it's like you're still outshadowed. Who who is it? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I just I just I just mentioned the Mets and I don't want to talk about it no more. Are they They're, I mean I mean at the end of the day, nobody's gonna look at California and say, Oh, the Angels before thinking the Dodgers. I don't think anybody's gonna look at New York and say the Mets before the Yankees. It's just not gonna happen. So I thought you had like a third team that you maybe, picked out. No, at this point it's the Aviators. Yeah, you're right. It's probably not bad. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I mean, that's just, just is what it is. The Aviators are my first team, actually. That's where I'm at all the time. Um, no, no, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Oh, before we get into the rest of this, in terms of MLB All-Star, let's talk about what's next for the uh, Athletics. They are headed to the road for three games against Detroit. Maybe this is a bad thing now. <laughs> they were better on the road to begin with, but now they kind of picked it up at home a little bit. Uh, but they're on the road in Detroit for three games. That begins tomorrow. Again, more Fourth of July baseball. That begins tomorrow, and that will start a streak of six straight on the road before the All-Star break for the Oakland team. How many wins do you think they get in these last uh, six games? Who's the back half of the six? Baltimore, or not Baltimore, Boston. Mm, three and three. I like it. I because, like it. Because I, like I, it. I think, like, those are two teams, if you were going to, quote-unquote, steal a win away from, you could do it against either one of those teams. <laughs> The fact that we have to say stealing a win away from Detroit is no, you do like have you have you met the Athletics? You any win any win they get could feel like them stealing a win away. At Relax this point. yourself. Who wins right now, the Athletics or the Aviator? Never mind. That's a hell of a game. Never though. mind. Never mind. Never mind. That's a I, that's a hell of a game. Let's talk All Star really quick. No, what, what, no, no, no. Wait, here's the thing: when you brought up the Aviators, who's pitching is better? Never mind. I can't like if you like offense, that's the game to go to for sure. But when you brought it, just about to say, just let the catchers pitch. When you uh, when you brought up the Aviators, Mm -hmm. that was the first thought that crossed in my mind. I was like, man, what if the Athletics and the Aviators play each other? I would love to see it. Just as an exhibition, just one game. You can do a one-off, one game. I'd be here for it. I want to see it. (laughs) Call it what you want, but let's talk about these All-Star teams really quick. Uh, Just the starters. Let's start with the American League. Uh, Just gonna go from catcher. Around the infield, outfield, we got the DH, and then we'll get to American League and uh, National League reserves as well. Uh, for the American League, we have Jonah Heim. We have Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz, excuse me. We have Marcus Simeon, former athletic, by the way. Relax. Former. Jonah Heim is a former athletic as well. This isn't looking good. Relax yourself. Corey Seager. Oh, I missed Josh Jung. I apologize. Josh Jung, Corey Seager, Mike Trout, R- Randy Arozarena, Aaron Judge, and of course the DH, the DH is Shohei Otani. For the National League, Sean Murphy. Former athletic. Former athletic. Freddie Freeman, Luisa, Luisa Reyes. Why do I feel like I just said that completely wrong and I've been saying it for like two weeks? I don't know why I'm having a brain fart right now. Nolan Arenado, Orlando Arcia, Ronald Acuna Jr. You know that that is my favorite player in the league right now. You got Mookie Betts. You got Corbin Carroll. You have J.D. Martinez. So just through the first starters uh, for both or the starters for both sides, you have three former athletics. Their farmhouse should be amazing right now, shouldn't it? You remember that whole uh, ex-girlfriend analogy you brought up? 
I'm punching. I'm punching the wall, bro. I'm telling you. They moved. These players moved on to <laughs> and got better. Um, Matt Olson is probably going to be in the home run derby. Like unless he said he wasn't going to do it. Like he's like second right now, or maybe third in home runs. Like I don't know, man. You got it. Maybe, maybe. So let's see. We got MLB All Star Game starters. Perfect. So now we have our reserves. Or no, I lied. We have our pitchers. American League pitchers: Feliz Bautista. Yanir Cano, Luis Castillo, Emmanuel Class. Oh, I think I might have pronounced that wrong as well. If I'm butchering these names, I apologize, guys. Garrett Cole, Nathan Eovaldi, Kevin Gossman, Sonny Gray, Kenley Jansen, Michael Lorenzo, Shane McCallahan, Shohei Otani, once again. How does that work? Framber Valdez. And now you're pitchers for the National League. Alexis Diaz. Pardon. Camille Doval. Bryce Elder, Zach Gallen, Josiah Gray, Josh Hader, Mitch Keller, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Steele, Spencer Strider, who was probably the best pitcher in baseball. That's my guess. Uh, Marcus Stroman and Devin Williams. So for reserves, they have them kind of mixed up. I'll go ahead and try to rush through them as quickly as I can. Salvador Perez, Ad- Adley Rutschman, uh, Elias Diaz, or excuse me, Elias Diaz, Will Smith, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Whit Merrifield, Jose Ramirez, Ozzy Albies, Pete Alonzo, Matt Olson, former aviator, or former athletic, excuse me, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Jordan Alvarez, Adolis Gar- Garcia, Austin Hayes, Luis Robert Jr., Nick Castellanos, Lourdes Guriel Jr., Juan Soto, Jorge Soler, and finally, the lone Oakland Athletic, Brent Rooker. Rookie Brent Rooker. So things are looking up, right? Hey, three Chicago Cubs made the all-star list, <laughs> so I'm happy about that. All right, man. You got it. And oh, First of all, and you also didn't even count your pitches, I don't think, because you got two no, pitches as well. I did. Oh, never mind. My bad. Sorry. You heard Marcus Stroman and was like, no, that's one, that's one for us. Justin Steele, Stroman, and uh, Dansby Swanson. Talk about it. Uh, Are you proud of yourself right now? Yeah, because we, be. we got more than Oakland. I'm sorry. That, that was a little out of bounds. What's the next topic? Um, <laughs> Got to be something else. Hey, you gotta said, you said else. the Athletics had one all-star. It has to be something here. else. Uh, Got to be something else. It has to be. So I'm looking at this home run derby field right now, and I don't want that. Uh, okay, there we go. Here we go. So Adley Rochman, and I, I got to figure out how to pronounce this because I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Um, catcher for the Baltimore Orioles, he was just added to the home run derby field. So now he will join, and I believe they have all of the names on here. He will now join. I forget. Mookie Betts is one for sure. He is now joining. I don't know why my phone is being extremely slow today. Told you, at least the at least the iPad is working. At least everything looks good on that end. But Julio Rodriguez of Seattle, Toronto's Vlad Guerrero Jr. And now you have Mookie Betts. You have Adley as well. I'm excited to see this home run derby because what typically happens, you get names that are birthed out of it. So if you haven't been watching Baltimore baseball, which I don't think a lot of people do, you're probably going to leave by saying, hey, this catcher kid for them is pretty good. And then you're going to watch the All-Star game, and you're going to say, hey, he there he is again. So we'll see what happens ultimately with this particular uh, All-Star game. Uh, let's do this real quick before we get out of here. 
Um, go ahead and give me the rankings of the four All Star games in the four pro uh, in the four North American pro sports. The give me the All Star games. Go ahead and rank them. Terms of best to worst. Best to worst. Um, I will say. Mm, so we got baseball, basketball, football, hockey, hockey. That's right. Uh, the worst one's football by far. By far. Not even. Yeah, that's number four. Yep. Talk about it. Can we make it number five? Drop it lower. I don't care. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't. Be, it doesn't even deserve to be on the list. But the home run derby is fourth. <laughs> Honestly, I would rather watch the whole home run derby. And all they do is hit home runs. And I was about to say, depending on it, might be better than a couple of these. But I, I, what's 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 your best one? Best best All Star game. I would probably give it to the MLB because there's incentive behind it. That's these guys, these guys are playing fairly hard. Like they're, it's not like a typical All Star game where they're taking it easy. Like you can't really take it easy in baseball. Like if you put the All Star game up against an ordinary baseball game, it kind of looks the same. So, for instance, my my order will be basketball, baseball, hockey, and th- no, I lied. Baseball, basketball, hockey, and then football. And I, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, didn't you say last year during All Star time that you didn't know how hockey All Star game works?" Yes, and it's still better than the Pro Bowl. For sure. I don't even watch it. And it's still better than the Pro Bowl. I make it a point to not watch the Pro Bowl. That's why hockey is ahead of it. If I, the All-Star game and hockey is on, I'll cut it. I'll watch it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that order. Like, I, I would put basketball slightly ahead of hockey. Just because at the end of the day, it's hoops. So at some point, it does turn into an exhibition game. And yeah. it's a playground style. So at some point, it does kind of pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Speaking of hockey, a couple of goalies moving around for the Knights. Jonathan Quick, that was a quick pit stop in, in Vegas, but you picked up a ring along the way. Jonathan Quick is now headed to the New York Rangers. Laurent Brossois is now a Winnipeg Jet. That one, I'm going to be honest, uh, can't keep all of them, right? But that one is uh, was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. This one, I will admit, I was wrong. Even when I was bartending, somebody asked me, and I, I gave them full heads up. I'm I don't I'm not my hockey writer for the company. I, I don't write hockey. I do do hockey, but it's not my beat. I said if you had to ask me what happens in terms of the goalie situation, I said I understand that that run was magnificent for Aiden Hill, but if Bruce Cassidy spent the entire year watching Aiden Hill and he felt like he had the answer on Aiden Hill, that was a tremendous run. We appreciate the run. I don't know if Aiden Hill is back with this group. Aiden Hill is back with this group on a two-year extension. We see some of the names that are leaving the door. You, see, you got Jonathan Quick leaving. You have Laurent Brossois leaving. And uh, I had talked to you before and asked you who the eye man out was. You want to go ahead and tell everybody who it was? And lastly, Teddy Bluger is now a Vancouver Canuck as well. Phil Kessel was a free agent. He hasn't signed anywhere as of right now. We'll see if that changes. I originally thought it was going to be Logan Thompson. The... Just face- I thought you were crazy. I almost threw my phone in the bar. I texted you from the bar, by the way. Yeah, that would have been bad if you threw your phone. I almost lost my mind. You could have you could have hit somebody. Cause I thought you were about to say LB, and when I seen LT, I was like, that's why I was like insane. No, they're not doing that. And it was because a lot of the people that are close with the team hinted at mm, maybe it's Logan. Like, I thought it was a little crazy when I first heard it, right. but it would have made all. It would have also made sense because. Obviously, Logan Thompson battled a lot of injuries this year. And even when he was healthy, something just didn't look right about Logan. Like, he was very critical of himself. It almost looked 
Robin Leonard-esque at times. Not to the, I think, the extreme that Robin Leonard was going through, but you could tell that, and it could just be a goalie thing. I, I don't know, but there were times after games where Logan Thompson was extraordinarily critical of himself. It wasn't anything outside of Logan Thompson. It was, no, I basically sucked. Like, mm. if he had a bad game. And so I that's why I thought that maybe they were going to... Like, I, I didn't question if Aiden Hill was going to be a night or not. I, I figured that was a pretty locked-up one. I, I think... That's the one I was worried about. That's I, why you I, looked at me probably like I was crazy. I, yeah, no, kind of, because I, th- <laughs> I thought, like, well... That he put together a good resume in the playoffs. Like right. he got this team all the way where they needed to go. So in in my mind, that should be enough to get you at least a little more time. Exactly what he got. Two more years. Right. I I think it is inevitable that the Knights are going. It's only a matter of time before they cut ties with Robin Leonard. Financially, they would have to yeah. because this. I mean, we're gone. We're past the days now because we're out of the playoffs. The salary cap starts counting. And if Robin Leonard is on your roster, he's taking up a good chunk of that salary cap. So even if you have to dish him off for draft picks, if you have to beg a team to take him, like you do something to just get that type of contract off of your roster. Now, I think Aiden Hill signed for a pretty team-friendly contract from my, from my understanding. It's you know, only two years, not that expensive. They did also sign, um, I think it's Jerry Patera. They re they re-signed him for I think at least one maybe two years. I was gonna say a year. He's probably gonna be. Uh, so he you got to imagine he's in Henderson. He's probably the starting goalie for Henderson. That's my guess. Um, and then they'll they'll find whether it's a draft pick or some sort. Like they'll they'll find somebody put behind Patura. I would imagine. Did so, you just now feel the air come on? I, I I noticed it's been hot the whole time. Like, but the air just came on. I thought it was just gonna stay off. Now that we're about to wrap up the show, it comes on. Yeah, I don't know, man. It can, it can be weird at times, but also great. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, the very quickly, the Golden Knights have kind of hinted at who their two are going to be. It right. looks like it's going to be Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Now, we circle all the way back to the same question we had when we started the season. So, who's the number one? Because... Because yeah, going into the next year, if I'm Aiden, I'm looking at Bruce like, so... um. How Rose have reverse, right? If I'm Aiden Hill and we're going into next season, I'm asking Bruce, do y'all get as far as you did without me? Because if you if the answer is no, I should be one. I should be number one. And that's no disrespect to Logan Thompson because Logan Thompson, through especially the good por- portion of that early start the team had last season, he was the catalyst behind that in that. He was keeping the team in games and Ultimately, it's a good problem for the Knights to have. You have two really good goalies. Yeah. I think to start the year, it's probably going to be Aiden 1 and then Logan Thompson 2. If nothing else, you want to kind of... Obviously, you want to keep Logan Thompson, which they've made clear they're going to do, but you want to also ease him back into play. You yep. don't You don't want to shoulder him with the number one responsibility right off injury. Which may be easier for Bruce Cassidy to make the decision. So now, even if he wants Logan to be the guy... If he comes in and stinks it up, I look crazy. So, yeah, maybe we should just hit you for a little bit. And it'll all be injury-related. It'll all be slow walking the dog, getting you back to where you need to get to. The good thing is you got a couple months to figure it out. I mean, <laughs> right? Uh, October is when you really have to worry about hockey season. As, as I said before, it's concurrent with basketball. 
Uh, but the IFL season, it is winding down. The Nighthawks, though they have been eliminated. It's only a matter of time, right? No, I think they are eliminated. Um, what well, was the that only. Duke City game was, yeah, that Duke City game, I believe, did it. Both teams were four and eight coming in, and I think they needed like the top team to lose out. So it was already, both teams are already pretty much eliminated. A loss definitely eliminated the team. Um, but five game losing streak was snapped yesterday, well, two days ago in Tucson against the Sugar Skulls, 40 to 34. Daquan Neal, four total touchdowns. Three of those actually came on the ground. He did not throw an interception, so that was a big game for Daquan Neal. He's sixth in total rushing this year as a quarterback. As a quarterback who's dealt with foot injuries as well. So just to kind of give you an idea of what this former IFL MVP has done, not to mention he's fourth in the league in pass, and I believe he has 36 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Just to kind of give you an idea for what Daquan Neal has brought to this team. Again, I've talked about it before, head coach Mike Davis, just a, a, a brilliant football mind in that, as, in that, in that uh, aspect, just in terms of getting talent onto the team. A lot of people have kind of taken a, 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 a jab at his coaching this particular year because it's been a down year. For the Nighthawks, of course, they are in their second year of existence here in the IFL. They are 5-9 and nine overall this year. They have one more game upcoming. They will take on San Diego. They're taking on the San Diego Strike Force Saturday. Oh, I was completely off. <laughs> Saturday, July 15th. That is the season finale, 7 p.m., and then we will be able to put a, put a bow on this season and kind of uh, – see where we head moving forward I told Matt we had about an hour and a half that's about what we're doing today uh, I'm going to get out of here and try to go pick the brain of Tyler Soderstrom before this six o'clock start tonight uh try to get to him before an hour I try to give athletes at least an hour to get ready for the game so let's try to talk to him before then my dad's tip in for today ironically enough encompasses all of this in a weird way <laughs> My dad said, I know you're loving life sports-wise in this instant city. Fresh off an, NF an NHL championship, excuse me. The Raiders are gearing up. The Ignite are exciting. A new stadium is possibly being built. You got mixed martial arts or championship boxing almost every weekend. And I saved the best for last on purpose. The world champion, Las Vegas Aces. I was thinking of a name that's fitting for this team. And do you think juggernaut is too strong of a word? After flexing their muscles on their way to a championship last year, they somehow kept the core of the team intact and added Candace Parker to an already dangerous team in search of back-to-back -back rings. But anyway, I'm not close to telling you anything that you don't already know. You lucky dog. You get to cover all the sports action. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. It is crazy. Huh?